I am Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And we're paranormal specialists who live in the most haunted city on earth, Savannah, Georgia. Every day is Halloween in our line of work, so join us as we spin true tales of haunts, murders, and disturbing Savannah history. I'm Madison. I'm Chris. And, and welcome, welcome to, to the most haunted city on earth. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the most haunted city on earth. My name is Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie. And I'm JT and I'm very close. <laughs> He's very close to the camera. Very close. I have to get a longer HDMI cord soon. So instead... Until then, until then, you get to see every inch of JT's face, very yes. up close and personal. Flaring nostrils and all. Yes, if you're watching on YouTube. Otherwise, you're probably like, how close is he to the camera? Very. <laughs> in, in, my, in, in Chris and I's line of work, we call this an extreme close-up. An extreme close-up. Yes. <laughs> it's great for reaction shots. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Debrio's going to have yeah, a right? field day with that one, because JT usually makes plenty of faces. Can we get we? a spit take? <laughs> right. Perfect. Perfect. Let's right. let's just insert that every single time we say anything remotely shocking. Uh, shocking yeah. or, it doesn't even have to be that shocking. Well, today we're going to start out a fun little mini um, segment, if you will, for the spooky season of October. Spooky, spooky. As spooky. many of you probably know, we are horror movie and just movie buffs in general, particularly oh, yeah. Chris and JT. Um, but we decided it would be fun if we discussed some of the hauntings that inspired horror movies. Oh, yeah. So today's first episode of that little segment is going to be about a haunting in Connecticut, which is just a very interesting case in general. It was um, one of my favorite movies as a teenager. Yeah. I, I loved it. I yeah. loved it. It's a great movie. It really is. And mm. if you haven't seen the movie, go watch it. Spoilers and then, Yeah, ahead. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Go watch it and then return back to this episode because I we will spoil some things. Um, otherwise, though, before we get into that, we do want to thank some para-junkies that have recently joined us. Yes. So first off, we want to thank Miriam Mendoza, Kristen Nichols, Laura Sleeper, Sky J, and Juanita, a.k.a. Boom. 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 <laughs> Goes the dynamite. What an excellent um, <laughs> what yeah. an excellent screen name. Um, so, yes, thank you guys so much for becoming para-junkies. Uh, if you would like to become a para-junkie, you can find us over on Patreon. We have lots of fun. We have exclusive merch. We have exclusive episodes. You get all sorts of fun things. Yep. Uh, the Para Junkies are actually getting the second episode of our radio play, Beneath the Cobblestone, uh, on Friday the 13th. They're yes. going to get that second episode. Appropriate. Also, uh, if you want to become an Ultra Para Junkie, which is our highest tier of Para Junkie, that is going to be um, a really good time to do it because of the fact that until Halloween, we are giving the Ultra Para Junkies an extra exclusive bit of merch. If you want to become a Para Junkie, maybe consider becoming an Ultra Para Junkie. It's there a very you. fun piece of merch. You've been sitting yes. on the fence. You get to actually say you're Ultra. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. You're Ultra Cool. Ultra. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, I've, uh, I've actually I spent a really long time um, designing 
this surprise for the Ultra Pair Junkies. And if you are currently an Ultra Pair Junkie, uh, your gift is in the mail. Yes. Yes. Ooh. It is in the mail and it is very fun. Likely story. Right? <laughs> now... Um, so thank you guys so much for becoming para junkies, um, and thank you to the para junkies who continue to um, be- stay in the para junkie realm on Patreon. We really appreciate it. Oh, and if you're one of the few ultra para junkies who have not sent me your current address, please do that so I can get your gift in the mail. Yes. Yes, but everyone who sent an address, uh, an address, uh, it's already sent. Excellent. Alrighty, well, let's go ahead then and dive right on into the haunting in Connecticut. Ooh. Yes, New England in general is just such a spooky place to be. Chock full of ghosts. It really is. Um, You know, Connecticut's got plenty of ghosts, as you can imagine, the Warrens. The Warrens headquarters there. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) so uh, Connecticut in general is just a very haunted state. Massachusetts is very haunted. so if you haven't been up to New England and you like ghosts, you'd have a field day um, just exploring all the hauntings there. And especially the hauntings from like the 80s and the 70s, they seem to be the most prevalent still to this very day, which is pretty interesting. Yep. Um, Same thing with serial killers. It's true. 70s and 80s, the heyday. It was the... For CCTV. So the bizarre thing about following the serial killers, uh, serial killers were... A relatively new designation in the 70s, 70s and 80s there was a fervor uh we call it a heyday but in fact there are just as many <laughs> we're still dealing with it oh, it's, yeah. it's a problem but um we don't have the celebrity status of serial killers the way we did in the 70s and 80s. 70s and 80s every time it came up it was a very exciting thing because and i didn't know this growing up I didn't realize how fresh the the term serial killer was. Serial killer was not a term until the late 60s, early 70s. They actually didn't use that. Uh, I think they they had terms like um, repeat killer or things of that nature. But the the term serial killer didn't come about. And that launched this incredible obsession. Because I always thought serial killers, you know, Jack the Ripper was a serial killer. And surely they called him that then. It's like, no, they called him Jack the Ripper. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, it's interesting because I think that it was it was how excited we were because like when I was in high school they came out with like serial killer trading cards and there were all these like what yeah That's wow cool. not it was not, weird but <laughs> well if you're a true crime nerd like JT and I it's yeah. fun not that we condone what they are doing but <laughs> <it is. laughs> but well it, I mean it was it was it was interesting because it was uh, you know you would think that. Um, Serial killers were, you know, just having this, uh, they were like um, comic book supervillains. You know, you're waiting for Batman to show up and punch a serial killer in the face. Right. Oh, yeah. But you, you, you began to realize that uh, serial killing is almost epidemic proportions of the type of psychosis that goes into it. And we only know the serial killers that we assign to a very specific... Uh-huh. Uh, you know, mode, mo. So uh, it's very weird that we, our fascination has been, like peaked in the seventies and eighties, and then uh, kind of like, it's it's evened out. But I I think there are just as many like really dastardly killers out there. We're just not 
we're desensitized maybe yeah mm-hmm. no it's definitely there it. was a study that was um put out that i think they said there's around 200 possible active, active serial, serial killers yeah. still in the u.s which makes a lot and of we sense. can only catch the ones that fit into our mo system uh there was a there's a what suspect zero i know mm-hmm. we're getting off on a tangent yeah <laughs> but there's suspect zero who they assume is a truck driver That's, uh, that makes a lot of sense yeah um but he does not have an M.O. He, he is not like, it's not all blonde women. It's not all mm-hmm. children. It's not, you know, yeah. there's nothing that, uh, the only thing that they kind of get is he's a decapitator. Oh. Um, but he's not, but they're, they're theorizing that he doesn't always decapitate. Sometimes he's not feeling into it. He's, yeah, that's all. extra work. That's a lot of work. <laughs> you know, let's face it. So, uh, even though we uh, had our nice little serial killer moment, there that technically the has tangent. nothing. Yeah, it has nothing to do with nothing the to do with the haunting in Connecticut. But That's how the show goes. Listen, we're just in a serial killer mood yeah, right now. From guts yeah. to ghosts. Guts Let's do to it. ghosts. Yes. So, um, to give you kind of like a brief understanding of what was going on, so the haunting in Connecticut, first off, is a film that's from 2009. It was a horror movie. That was promoted as being based on a true story. And so, um, first off, before it was a horror film, it was a t- on a TV show yeah. called A Haunting. Right. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. So, you see, that particular um, show was a Discovery Channel show. Mm-hmm. Um, and they basically took people's stories and did live, or not live, but they did but reenactments. Um, reenactments of the scenes. And if you have not watched A Haunting, you need to watch that show because it was fantastic. Yeah. I almost think that the, the, the story that they based A Haunting in, uh, a haunting in Connecticut on uh, was a two-episoder. I think they had to like, hmm. um, uh, to be continued you. Right. <laughs> I think, because it seems like they, they packaged it as a documentary of its own. At, at some point. Um, but yeah, a Haunting Connecticut uh, was based on a Haunting Connecticut <laughs> right. episode. And um, I didn't know that. Yes. I learned that this morning. <laughs> yeah. it's uh, Which is pretty interesting. And honestly, they could have turned a lot of those episodes into full-fledged horror films because there were some very frightening um, episodes. We were discussing beforehand, there was one episode that always stuck with me. I think I've mentioned it on the podcast a long time ago about how <laughs> this child, he would always see this naked woman around his home and he got up to go to the restroom in the middle of the night and he walks into his bathroom and feels like she's in there but he doesn't see her and when he pulls back the shower curtain there's just this naked lady that's like got this crazy like white hair and she's super gangly and gaunt and she lashes out at him at him from the bathtub and i'm like i've Lord. never forgot that image in my yeah, life no. i think about it every single time i enter a bathroom bathroom at night yeah anytime it's my shower like, curtain is closed in a bathroom you're always like no 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 no, no she's in there <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so if you haven't seen that show you need to watch it i'm sure discovery plus has it I'm somewhere sure it's streaming yeah well um, and now you know max is discovery plus so uh the story of how this went was in the 1980s the snedeker family moved into a home bless in- you all right. <laughs> it's quite a last name. Um, and you're going to hear it a lot to get used to it. <laughs> oh, um, no. The Snedekers. So the Snedeker family moved into a home in Southington, Connecticut, to be closer to a hospital where their son was being treated for cancer. 
So after moving in, the family claimed to have experienced a series of supernatural events. The house had previously been, this is where the spoiler comes in, uh, mm-hmm. because this is a twist in the film. So if you haven't seen it, stop right now. Or go watch it. <laughs> or watch it. Um, so the house had previously been a funeral home, and the family discovered embalming equipment in the basement where the child was living. Mm-hmm. Um They believed that the presence of these tools in the house's former use was connected to the paranormal activity that they were experiencing. So some of the paranormal encounters that they were having, um, the Snedeker family reported paranormal experiences that were quite disturbing, to say the least. Um, Some of the claims included apparitions, which, I mean, if you're having a haunting, that's kind of comes with the territory um, but various family members reported seeing shadowy figures or full-bodied apparitions which people don't give enough credit to how rare that truly is to rare. have a full-bodied apparition because oftentimes spirits do not want to put all of that energy into forming a full-bodied apparition when they could just do a torso up and right. get the same effect you know and use less energy so or just the places where light would hit you know, just the outline or things of that nature. Exactly. So that's already, you know, an entity that's got enough energy stored up. Got some spare energy there. You know, (laughs) to go ahead and just use that. But um, these spirits were sometimes seen in old-fashioned clothing consistent with the time when the house was used as a funeral home. Uh, They would also experience phantom touches some family members claim to feel unseen hands touching them, particularly at night. This would manifest as tugging on bed sheets, poking, or even more aggressive physical interactions, such as scratching, hitting, biting, oh. things like that. Um, Poltergeist. Well. <laughs> a little more aggressive. A little more aggressive than a poltergeist. Poltergeist, I think the film Poltergeist, which we'll do an episode on um, probably later in the month yeah yeah um but you see with poltergeist i feel like that movie really blurred the lines of what a true poltergeist is and a what a demonic presence is and even in the movie itself the poltergeist time is early they actually misdiagnose the house they actually suggest that it's a poltergeist activity early only to realize that it's not poltergeist. Mm-hmm. You know, it is active haunting. It is intelligent haunting. It is demonic presence. Right. Um, and so, yeah, you know, poltergeists are generally just kind of rambunctious. They're not, I mean, it, it, it disturbances, I guess I should say. Noisy ghosts. Noisy ghosts. That's what it means, Noisy poltergeist. Um, so we, we, we get our information and then we fuse it with all of the excess. But um, ideally in the early stages when things are just moving around and when they're, you mm-hmm. know, weird patterns of stuff, mm-hmm. that was poltergeist activity or mislabeled poltergeist activity. Because many things seem like poltergeist, but then later turn out to be intelligent haunts or, right. or, or another type of haunting. This is definitely a malevolent type haunting. This is malevolent. Um, <laughs> biting is usually a pretty good, clear indication of um, <laughs> something is not very fond of your presence. No means no. Exactly. Do not bite people. Also, poking. Like, that's just a weird way, in my opinion, to get someone's attention if I was a spirit. Like, poking's not the way I'm going to go about hey, it. Hey, buddy. Hey. 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 Buddy. But I feel like that's also where the fear... Depends that people, on where the poking is, though. 
in the back or like like in the eye oh uh, no we, i don't we, we we we've experienced the eye poke we have so, a, yeah uh, but, well, well I, madison experienced the eye poke i experienced and, that eye poke yes yeah, so you have to go on uh, uh uh patreon to experience the eye poke yeah that was <laughs> ghostly uh, eye pokes that was a delightful <laughs> encounter i really enjoyed that so much <laughs> As anyway. you can imagine. Um, but anyway. Again, we, <laughs> we digress. But we digress, yes. So regardless, though, um, there's also uh, reports of mysterious illness, obviously outside of the child being I sick. Cancer is a, a, a bad enough, but yeah. when you get you know, yeah. the, uh, the added bonus of supernatural illness. Exactly. So Interestingly enough, really fast, I just looked up what uh, polter and geist mean in German. Mm-hmm. And obviously, guys would be like ghost, ghost spirit, but Polter is a rumble. Yeah, rumble. Mm-hmm. A rumble spirit. A, a rumble, rumble spirit. spirit. But that rumble makes it so much cuter sounding. <laughs> it's a rumble spirit. So, <laughs> rumble meaning the sound, not yeah. Rumble like a a, a brawl. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's the uh, the onomatopoeia. Oh, I didn't even think of a brawl. Yeah. 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 No, I, I thought of him rumbling around. Being rumbling like, around. <laughs> that's the noise that okay. the Pokemon poltergeist makes, obviously. Yeah, that's Haunter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so Carmen Snedeker, um, the mother, claimed that the house had an adverse effect on her son's health um, beyond his already existing cancer condition. So mm. he was, which could just have been the treatments. Sure. Um Sure. And they're just mislabeling it as paranormal. But it's not unheard of uh, for people to get sick in the presence of certain malevolent entities. Um, and it's also not uncommon for sick people to be the um, target of supernatural right. calamity. Because in that weakened state, there is a lot of uh, desperation. You know, uh, you're, you're more open to spiritual assault. Exactly. Um so unfortunately, he 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 got a double whammy there. He was he getting did. bit, and he was getting extra sick, which is just not fun. Um, there are also eerie noises. Um, <laughs> not an eerie noise. <laughs> a rumble, if you a will. A rumble. <laughs> <laughs> the family would hear unexplained noises like footsteps, doors creaking, open and closed, uh, muffled voices. The basement where the embalming took place was a particular hot spot for these noises, which also makes sense, um, considering that it was a funeral home. Obviously, a lot of people would be coming in and out of places mm-hmm. like that, especially if that's where the embalming would take place, you know. It takes more than one person oftentimes, especially back in that time, um, because now they have lifts for dead bodies so that the mortician can just slide the body on there and lift them down to wherever they need them to be. Uh, But at this point, it would have needed multiple human beings to carry dead weight. Um, So that's not surprising to hear. And that very well could have been more residual type haunting and not exactly the same entity. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mm-hmm. And you're just experiencing uh, the hustle and bustle that would be a functioning funeral home. 
Um, Objects would also move in the house and would allegedly move on their own. Um, common occurrences included dishes being thrown from cupboards and toys moving around by swear, themselves. That's, that's every haunting. Every single haunting that I hear of is a dish being thrown. Yeah. Every single one. Like, that's their favorite thing to do. Right. Well, like, at least it's on a knife. Uh, it's because it's loud and it's light yeah. and mm-hmm. it is discus. It's discus, yeah. So, yeah. It's like a I frisbee. Mean, and if another I was thing a to ghost, think about is yeah, that I mean, uh, dishes are very commonly used. So yeah. they are yeah. they are essential in a day to day. Yeah, you're gonna see so if it's missing. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're gonna note. You're gonna these note things. that. Yeah. Also, maybe I mean this is really off on a on a on a far shot, but do you think that um, they have it, like ghosts in porcelain have a connection? Maybe. Oh, absolutely. That's a good call. Yeah, yeah. it's mm-hmm. very very possible that you know um, the idea that you can actually pull sound from clay. That mm. while people were working on the clay, they're like, you know, the grooves of the clay actually were collecting sound and you play it like a record. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, there's um, interesting. Very interesting. on just a side tangent, there's a guy oh. on TikTok that has like a little machine that he hooks up to different plants and they make noise and they make music of sorts. Like you'll hook them up to leaves and stuff and he'll be like, this is the song of a leaf. And <laughs> I'm on a very different side of TikTok, as you can probably imagine, because neither <laughs> of them know what I'm talking about. But it's kind of in that same regard that different things hold sound. So sure. um, interesting. That's an interesting point, Jay. Yeah. Now, um, one of the more outlandish uh, reports that the Snedeker family gave was um, that the water in the house would occasionally turn to blood. This is... Oh. <laughs> Classic. Just that? Right. Yeah. Okay. This is giving me <laughs> Amityville, Amityville Horror, yeah. which yeah. if you haven't listened to that episode of From One to Wicked. Um, yeah, that's the worst episode of all time because it ruined <laughs> one of my favorite childhood stories. Sure. That was one. Of, that was truly one of my favorite like bedtime stories that like, and it completely trashed it. And I, and it just makes it. I don't know. It makes it like I, I believe the Baba Yaga more now, you know, and well, stuff like that. Well, it's sad that um, that family just lied to the public to make money, which I mean, you know, it's like just write the book and just like say it's a fiction and it would have been just well, as good. Think of it as the Blair Witch Project. Right. You know, no one's mad at the Blair Witch Project. No. Um, and that's basically what it was. It was the sensationalistic selling of a book, um, utilizing a very true horrific crime to kind of launch the yeah you know uh, the, the ghost story of it all. Mm-hmm. You know what I cannot stand? Just just a side tangent. I know we have like so many side tangents, but Gen Zs. I can't stand when some Gen Z like hate on the Blair Witch Project because of course they've grown up in the 2000s they've seen everything they're like that's so unimpressive I'm like no it's extremely impressive amazing brilliant it was brilliant very brilliant brilliantly executed brilliantly done Um, they even had like a mini documentary that came out prior to the movie being released Mm. yeah that was like made in the same vein in this documentary kind of way and I think 
I saw it before it was fully confirmed mm-hmm. that it was not real. Um, and, and you had that 50-50 belief. It was like, this could be real, this may not be real. And what they did that was so brilliant was they didn't do anything extravagant. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, watching it now, I mean, since... It still Blair Witch came out. out. It still well, me out. since it came out, you know, like the Saw franchise came out. Yeah. So it's yeah. very tame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And, and then the fact you know, that there's found more, footage. Yeah, yeah and, exactly. And found footage has gone yeah, so crazy. It's been done now. And it's been done and done and done. Done and but, done. And uh, done. But Blair Witch started it all. Really. Blair Witch started it all. And I'm not saying all Gen Z's. There's some great Gen Z's out there, you know, but but those that are like, Blair Witch is not even that scary. Well, I'm like, you have to put yourself in the, like, that's like saying that the birds, that's like Chris and I in Madison saying that the birds looks fake. Well, well, you know, like Albert Hitchcock, that was so or stupid. Or the fact that fake. in it's the like, that's groundbreaking. original Boris Karloff Frankenstein, the audiences of the time were terrified. Yeah, mm-hmm. they said that people yeah. were fainting. Yeah, at, you know, at at the Frankenstein, the flathead, you know, mm-hmm. to which, if we watched it today, it's it's barely you know a Saturday morning cartoon. You know, you you mm-hmm. could see far more disturbing things on a Saturday morning cartoon than in that. But of the period, nobody had ever seen anything like that. Yeah, if we went back in time and showed a 1930s audience saw. They would die. Yeah, that's they would just fall. It's true. At in Zephyr Hills, um, in Zephyr Hills, there's an old movie theater, and my Nini said that she went to go see Jaws there, and she said a woman had a heart attack. Wow! During Absolutely. Jaws, Absolutely. And it's like it's like it's you know yeah yeah. But anyway, well, so now that now that JT's boomer tangent has, <laughs> <laughs> has ended, hey you kids. <laughs> 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 With your fancy movies. <laughs> yeah, it's found footage on your phones. I'm an old man, y'all. <laughs> so, continuing on. Um, oh, what were we doing? Yeah. Yes, right? we were talking about water turning to blood. Right. Uh, yes. yes. Um, so, th- that was a thing. I that, checked the pipes for rust. Right? So, this supposedly happened I when family... I would taste family- it and see if it tasted like blood. Well, so... All right, everybody... Don't do that. Don't. I would do if it. you see something that looks like blood, don't do the the movie thing where they do that. Right. There's 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 so many things wrong with that. There's so many bloodborne you know, pathogens. So many bloodborne pathogens. And also, do you really think you can identify blood just that easily? Yeah. No. So. Yeah. Okay. So could pa- be anything. Supposedly, this would happen when family members tried to use the taps or when they were taking showers. Could you imagine? No. That's a whole new take on the shower mm-hmm. scene. No. That's. A, oh you yeah! Know. Wow. Don't want that. No, don't want Nobody that. I want to say that there is a movie out there where somebody's taking a shower and it turns to blood. Yes. yes. Yeah, there is. Um, I know it. I know yeah. it. Yeah. I know I mean, it. It's your, you're right. It's not mm-hmm. It's not beyond the horror scope. No. You go outside, get a tick, put the tick in the blood, see if the tick turns red. So that do. That's the country way I do it. Oh, my you God. Do, 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 I'm not do, do, going do. out catching ticks. Yeah, just go out catch <laughs> I don't, a tick. I don't even, I don't even know really... how to catch a tick. <laughs> do, you, do you have tick catching, like... Oh, yeah. You know how to contraptions? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Is it is just your arm? Just put your arm. Yeah. In, you just, you just and then, like ah, walk. Tick. Yeah. Trapes through the woods a little bit, and then you know, and then spread your legs. And oh, whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! Hey there. Oh God. A haunting in Connecticut, you say? <laughs> oh my God. Anyways, we're never getting through this. No, and we're never getting... talking. This I is why we sorry. took away his microphone. There was a time when this was a mini episode. Yeah. Yes. I didn't take my medicine today. Anyways, so. <laughs> 
Um, there were also reports of disturbing vision. So Carmen Snedeker reported witnessing her mop water turning a blood red color without explanation. She also claimed to see entities in the house um, and the malevolent force. The most alarming claim was that the malevolent force that sexually assaulted both Carmen Whoa. and her niece uh, while they were still living in the house. Holy crap. Occurred. Yeah. Man, things got serious. Yeah. So what? that's very on par with almost uh, like in between of a succubus and a demonic force. It's very <sighs> weird. It's very weird. weird. Although as the revelation will will come out um it does there's some disturbing information coming up <laughs> right about the reason why it's haunted or the reason why the building is haunted so they ended up actually calling in uh and lorraine warren to perform an exorcism on the, the home. squad yes so the Snedeker family... Uh, That's the beauty of living in Connecticut. Right, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? It's true. Um, so the Snedeker family felt tormented by the alleged paranormal activities in their home and sought the assistance of Ed and Lorraine Warren, who were well-known paranormal investigators and demonologists, as you all probably know by now. Yeah. Um, their involvement in the Snedeker case has been added to their notoriety. Um, so the way that the exorcism went down... Um, is they did a preliminary investigation. So before conducting the exorcism, the Warrens usually performed an investigation to determine the nature and severity of the haunting. Uh, they believed the Snedeker house was infested with powerful demonic entities, possibly due to its history as a funeral home. Uh, then they would do a determination. So after their investigation, the Warrens concluded that an exorcism was necessary to rid the house of the negative energies and entities. Then when they conducted the exorcism, the details about the specific exorcism performed at the Snedeker house aren't as widely publicized as the haunting itself. Um, exorcisms typically involve religi religious rituals, prayers, and blessings to expel the malevolent spirits or energies from a place or a person. And typically in the team, um, this was Ed performing the exorcisms, mm -hmm. even though... He's one of the only civilians, non-clergy... Uh, that had been uh, granted permission right. to perform exorcisms by the uh, Roman Catholic Church. Exactly. Um, and these rites usually require, like Chris said, the presence of a Catholic priest or someone with authority in conducting such rituals, but Ed Warren did get permission to do so um, because he had worked on so many cases that the Catholic Church mm. uh, deemed his faith strong enough, uh, basically. And if you aren't familiar with how religious the Warrens are, watch a documentary on them. Ed Warren is a very staunchly religious man. So yeah. uh, not a lot of things would shake that man. So actually, if you come to Savannah Underground, you get to hear one of his most famous lines mm -hmm. uh, at the end. Yeah, I think we true. talked about that before. Yeah, yeah we have Yeah, in, in an older podcast episode. But yeah, come to Savannah Underground. It's fun. So, <laughs> a nice little plug. A little plug, yes. yes. <laughs> so, post-exorcism, though, following the exorcism, exorcism, the Snedeker family reported a decrease in the paranormal activities, and over time, they claimed the, ha the haunting ceased altogether. They eventually moved out of the house. Huh. Um, now, publicity and skepticism started to arise. Um, so, the story of the haunting and the subsequent exorcism gained significant attention, it was featured in a 1992 horror documentary titled A Haunting in Connecticut, which was a part of a Discovery Channel series, A Haunting. Um, dis 
This documentary, along with the Warrens' involvement in later the 2009 film, have made the Snedeker case one of the more famous modern haunted house stories. However, with fame comes scrutiny, so many skeptics have claimed the validity of the family's claims and the Warrens' findings and the necessity of the exorcism. So it's worth noting that the line between fact and fiction can often blur in such cases, and especially when they garner significant media attention. Uh, while the Snedeker family and the Warrens maintained the authenticity of the events, there were uh, still many doubters and skeptics uh, because of the fact that many paranormal claims, definitive evidence is elusive, and much of it is left to personal belief and interpretation. Um, now, there's also some evidence that claims that the Snedekers, just like the Amityville Horror case, may have padded some of the claims, like the blood um, and things like that, and the sexual assaults, to make the case seem more severe so that they could sell the rights and make money. Um, that is just hearsay, technically. I'm not defining that as exact truth, but there are some, there's some evidence that shows that they may have been trying to garner some extra attention to what happened with them hospital bills expensive right well and so um there's been lots of controversy surrounding the um veracity of the snedeker's claims uh, some skeptics argue that the story was exaggerated or fabricated for financial gain and over the years multiple versions of the story have emerged and the truth behind the events remains a topic of debate um, also, when it comes to the actual film, A Haunting in Connecticut, they definitely took some creative liberties uh, with the Snedeker story. Adding, Generally do. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. just as a, a disclaimer, if you will, adding elements and altering events for dramatic purposes, as well with many movies claiming to be based on a true story. It's essential to approach them from a discerning mind, recognizing that filmmakers often prioritize entertainment over factual accuracy. Yeah, of course. So That's why it's adapted adaptations based on inspired by those those terms are oftentimes used i i watched the the pope's exorcist oh that's a last great night. movie mm -hmm. really love that movie i'm a, a big fan of gabriella mort i you know read his books i met people who worked with him um but i don't think any of that movie was particularly wow. actual there's um, no way but there were elements lots of elements and of course you know the uh, the characterization that Russell Crowe did <coughs> was in keeping with with what most people said about you know um, Father Amort. So you 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 want to be able to tell the most dynamic story possible. Mm -hmm. uh, and the truth of the matter is, most hauntings don't get tied up in a bow. Mm -hmm. You don't get to know yeah. the why things happen or the how things happen. Oftentimes, it's just a series of events series of disturbances and our minds naturally fill in the blanks you know we naturally come up with these answers to well why would this happen because that's the satisfaction that we get from a ghost story like i am a um i'm a professional storyteller and one of the ways that i tell stories is i always tell what happens to the the living before i ever go into what happened in the past yeah because the moment is the aha that oh moment of why is that happening to these people and then you say something that connects the lines 
So oftentimes when telling a ghost story, the, the, the benefit is here's the creepy, creepy thing. Mm-hmm. And here's why it happened. Mm. Um, when you do it the other way around, it becomes very flatlined. It's like, here's the terrible event and here's what happened afterwards. There's no intrigue. There's no real, you know, you see it coming. It's telegraphed. Um, and in the case of a uh, haunting Connecticut, one of the storylines that kind of came out was the idea that the funeral director abused the bodies. Oh, that the funeral director was uh, doing unseemly things with the bodies, uh, and that is more than enough oh to to be an aha moment. Yeah. You know, to be like, oh yeah, well that's why the spirits are mad. That's why the, you know the ghosts yeah, yeah, would be, yeah. you know, and that that would definitely bring about malevolence and and this idea. And there is this kind of um, natural sensation of well, funeral homes and funeral directors—they're creepy. They're really not. You know, it, it yeah, is, yeah. it's, it's an industry and they're usually warm and loving people uh-huh. who are, who are performing a very, uh, essential service uh-huh. in, in the process of our rituals of death. But, you know, thanks to phantasm and the tall man, uh-huh. <laughs> thanks to uh-huh. countless movies where the funeral director is just this creepy, morbid person. We kind of have final this, destination, the final destination, the perfect idea He's of awesome. the, 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 you know, coroner who is like just in the corner going, I'm waiting for them to die. You know, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. your your job is death. Um, I'd also like to point out that uh, Haunting in Connecticut has a sequel. A Haunting in yes, Connecticut 2. Yeah, yeah, it does. That takes place in Georgia. Yes. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's no, actually, that one's garbage. It is garbage. It's garbage. And, and it, too, was based on um, one of the uh, a Haunting episodes, uh, <gasps> and it's a Haunting in Georgia. Uh, but when they made the movie, they're like, we're going to capitalize on the Haunting in Connecticut success and call it A Haunting in Connecticut 2. Yeah. Georgia. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I don't think okay. you understand how geography works. Yeah, we were not right. even close. Yeah, not, not even. even like hey, literally. 900,000 miles, maybe? <laughs> right. At, at the very least, an 18-hour drive. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was really weird that they, they choked, because you could have just called it A Haunting in Georgia and, right. you know, uh, gone with that. But uh, so, also <laughs> supposedly based, but more even looser, because it was... Mm-hmm. It was a it was a garbage movie. It's not a great movie. Yeah, it's um, terrible. And yeah, and it was sad because that one to you, babe. Yeah, well, you know, uh, a Haunting in Connecticut was was a really good movie. Right. Um. You know, they they did not pull punches and they they gave you a really intense ride. And a Haunting in Connecticut two was just capitalizing on the success. Mm-hmm. That makes really. sense. Yeah, one thousand nineteen miles, um, sixteen hours seventeen minutes from Georgia to uh, Connecticut. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Boom goes it's, dynamite. And that's like from, you know, Atlanta to Hartford. Right. You know, where we are in Savannah. It's even further, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's um and it's important to note when we discuss these cases, again, a lot of times people will fluff up their stories and things like that, especially when there's extra Uh, media attention brought to them so it's not surprising to hear that there's claims that they may have lied about some things to uh sensationalize exactly um you know because really you don't uh, the the mo of a demon isn't to 
pour blood out of your taps. Right. You know, it's not really going to do that. So things like that, when I hear that, I'm like, mm, I'm, but I'm could a, a demon, skeptical. but but because of the power of the demon and the intellect of the demon, couldn't the demon uh, let things in that would want to do that? You know, that's that's my only thing is, you know, a demons, we're talking about the demons purpose, a demons purpose is to create chaos. I mean, it's that's it's you know, corrupting chaos, corrupting chaos. Those are the two two big words. Yeah, but for they're demonic all, entities. They're going to go for more of your deterioration of your mind over pouring blood on you. Like that's not super necessary. Well, and that's, that's more of a horror, the, it's a horror movie trip, the, truly. The, the primary tool of the devil is deception. Yeah. And so making water appear to be blood, deception, mm-hmm. it lowers your resistance, mm-hmm. it makes you uncertain. And the more uncertain you are about reality, the more malleable you are to a, a dark entity. So, you know, if you went that route, if that was the way you wanted to tell the story, yeah, a, a demon's primary tool is to make you um, uncertain about the reality around you yeah and in that uncertainty force you into behaviors and actions that are contrary to your better interest or your even belief structure also oh oh, sorry Mm -hmm. no no also think about where that blood's coming from a bathtub right it's a bathtub a shower people get clean and and another something's blood whether it's animal blood or human blood that's an unclean thing Mm -hmm. And it's possibly one of the most unclean things we can think of. I mean, EMTs, yeah. they're going to protect themselves from blood is at all costs. Yeah, it's a, right? uh, a, a, an ideal psychological warfare. If you, if you take the route of what would a demon do mm-hmm. to you or, or to diminish your faith in the reality mm-hmm. you're living in, um, it, it's, it's an open book as far as like how to construct hauntings and make them uh, effective uh, and also worth noting that the most enduring ghost stories that we have are not generally the true stories mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're the ones that capture our imagination make us really think about what comes next or what else is out there the reason why a lot of ghost stories are uh, and and that's you know one of those things where people get very uh, upset or 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 you know angry at the 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 falseness of a story. It's like uh, no, the story is absolutely true. The events may be false, mm-hmm. but the story and the effect it had on you and what it made you think about and what it made you examine because that's what what ghost stories really were in the beginning. They're trying to explain a what happens when you die, you know when you know Grog died because he you know ate the wrong herb then thag was over there going rog grog gone everybody's like why so they're gathered around the fire going grog not gone grog's still there and they're all like grog not there grog gone and the conversation becomes open you know they start being like no grog come to me at night poke me an eye and they're like oh eye poking grog and then you know the story lasts um but it helps people deal with things that they don't understand. And that's what a ghost story really is. It's an opportunity to examine things we don't understand. And so when they're sensational, they stick out. We remember them. So we're not here to debunk anything at all. So never. um, 
I just present facts. Mm-hmm. Of, of well, and yeah, you know, know. In, in the case of if, if you're trying to sell a movie, you have to be a, a, a gifted storyteller. Exactly. Um, so, you know, maybe it happened. Maybe it didn't happen. I'm it's a good movie, though. It is. It's an excellent. <laughs> Very good. It's an excellent movie. And you should definitely watch it during your spooky season. And that's the point of this little mini series uh, is to discuss these hauntings. Although don't watch uh, Haunting Connecticut, too. Don't watch that, apparently. It's it's not the strongest storytelling, I'll say. Yeah. So, um, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode, and we will have a few more for the rest of October so that you can watch another based on a true story type There's so movies. many horror yeah. movies that are based on true stories. Exactly. Absolutely. So. And didn't it ghost mail? Yes, and send in your ghost mail. If you have a ghost story that you would like to tell us, then go ahead and send it to ghostmail at hauntedcitypodcast.com, and that is going to be the best place for me to find it. Every once in a while, people will send us um, messages on TikTok or Instagram or things like that. I get a lot of fluffy type stuff, so I tend to not even look in those. Um, uh, So if you want to make sure that we see them, send it to ghostmail. That's going to be the best way. and then also, if you have any questions that you'd like us to answer, you can also send it to Ghostmail. Any photos that you want to send, it's all best to send it there. We're always checking that. So, uh, But with that, though, my name is Madison Timmons. I'm Chris Susie, And stay spooky, y'all.